the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's choices, our rejections, and God's heart in it all. That's next, here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner as we continue our journey in Romans. Today, Chapter 9. From Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org, welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner is back in chapter 9 of Romans, first six verses. It's there that the Apostle Paul turns a corner in his discourse to the church at Rome. He talks about his brothers and sisters of Jewish descent and his sorrow for Israel and their rejection of the Messiah. That's what lies before us today as we explore Romans together. Here's Pastor Gary. Sincerity is not the test of acceptability with God. His word is the test. And he gave it to these people. And moreover, they had the promises. They had the fathers, verse 5, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I have to say I'm thankful I had the father that I had. Some of you look at your father, your grandfather, maybe your great-grandfather, and maybe some of you can trace your ancestry even further back than that, and you can say, boy, I'm proud, in a good way. Not with an arrogant, self-sufficient way, but in a thankful way. I'm proud of these ancestors I have, and thankful for them. But we haven't had, in our bloodline, such men as Isaac and Jacob, but they did. And of course, beyond any of that, notice what he says. And of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. The Jews were the incubator of the Messiah. That was the whole reason God raised them up. So to keep alive some pure root of religion. It wasn't so they could have Canaan and have livestock. No, they could have lost all of that. And yet from the stock of Jesse, the one main purpose still stood. And the reason God did all these great things to these people was to preserve the remnant so that Christ would spring from them. So whenever then the Jews, whatever then the Jews have come, become today, and it's not pretty, The curse that God has put upon their heads for rejecting the Messiah still haunts them. Much of the anti-Jewish sentiment that comes upon them is really their own fault. They're scheming, they're plotting, and such things. But we need to remember something about the Jews. And since you may not believe it, I'll read it from John 4. I want you to hear... It out of the mouth of our Savior, something that we need to keep in mind all the time. Whenever we hear about Jewish treachery, 
And you may think, well, all of the banking schemes and there, there have been books written, you know, how the Jews invented Hollywood, which is true. But remember this verse. I don't care about any of this other stuff. Just remember this verse. John 4, 22. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. For salvation is of the Jews. Now that doesn't mean they, they understood it. That doesn't mean they even understand it today. That doesn't mean, okay, we'll give them a free pass because, yeah, they crucified Jesus, but they are the Jews. No. Nor does it mean that they are so sacrosanct and we can't say anything about them because they are still God's people. No, they are not. Not now. But we need to remember the debt of gratitude that we owe to God for His grace in His work in that people to bring the Messiah forward. Because that is the means he chose to bring salvation to the world. And then if God would, because they rejected their own Savior, turn around and reject them for their unbelief, oh, how? We ought to be very careful that there is not in us an evil heart of unbelief and depart, but departing from the living God. Because if he didn't spare them, I assure you, he has no trouble in not sparing Americans if he didn't spare the Jews, he has no trouble not sparing the Germans or the Irish or the Scottish or all the ancestry we could look up and say, whoa, look at us. We are nothing in comparison to what the Jews could boast. And yet God said, you didn't believe my gospel. Let me tell you how far your bloodline will take you without faith. It'll take you to blindness. It will take you to hell. So you better believe in the Messiah. Consecrate your life to him and believe in him. And to the young, guard your hearts. You may think you know better than everyone else, yet you know far less. Now, I love each of you dearly. But I remember it was what it was like to be young and stupid. I even know what it's like to be old and stupid. And the posture of every one of us needs to be for me, for David, for Joe, for Tan, for Daniel. Unless God holds me every single second, I'm just as capable of doing the evil. He must guide me by his hand. And he must take me into his safe keeping. And he must teach me and make me a lifelong student in his school. The school of true religion. Because if he doesn't change my heart. And if he doesn't give me a heart to believe his word. And to trust his gospel. I can have all the trappings. I can have all the glories and covenants and the worship. I can have all these things. But all it is, is the judge then pounding on my heart and saying, you are more guilty than you were before. Because I gave you all these privileges and you said, I don't want any part of them. You better be careful with what you do with the gospel. Very careful. And boy, with respect to our own countrymen, we can apply this very easily. I realize America is a great melting pot. 
But there is a Western family and a Western group of families that form some major portion of whatever it is that we live in here today. And it would be very easy to have the attitude of many stupid Americans. They get everything coming to them. Everything. They deserve it. I don't want them saved. If it means Americans go to heaven, I don't want to go. Look how stupid they have become. Look how radical in their unbelieving agenda. How much of this is in our hearts? You know, our people once had the gospel. Our civil and family institutions were once very much, at least generally influenced by Scripture. And now what do we have? We have apostasy and perversion. If you read or listen to anything, it only takes about 10 seconds to know what's going on in major events in this country. And of course, what is it? It's all perversion. That's what's going on. So it is very easy to dismiss our own nation as unworthy of the gospel and deserving of all the judgments God is sending. And it is true. We are unworthy of the gospel. And we do deserve all of God's judgments and more. But is there no other feelings in our hearts? Is there no other feeling in your heart for this country Have we grown so hardened by being ostracized and vilified and excluded from any public concern? Oh, who cares about your opinion? No one cares. Take all you want about, talk all you want about chastity pledges. We know what's really going on in the church. You've got nothing to say to us Christians. Have we become so hardened by all that? as to wish our own countrymen evil. We should long for our families, those with whom we share common blood, common history. Indeed, we should long for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if we say they're not worthy of it, neither were we. And our continuation in it for another moment is not ultimately to be traced to we deserve it, we are good, we make an effort. As Paul will argue throughout chapter 9, there is one and only one consideration that makes men to differ, and that is his mercy. And every one of you who hears this today needs to get down on your face sometime this evening or go for a walk and think, am I humbled by his mercy? Because if I'm not humbled by mercy, I will be hardened. By everything else. Hardened by my own sense of goodness. Hardened by my own sense. Well they don't do it the way we do it. Hardened by my own sense of. Well I'm in this little group. And this little group has something bad to say about that little group. So I'm going to take up grudges with them. Mercy doesn't think like that. Mercy doesn't say, well, these Americans, I pray to God he would just send a little wave and destroy them all. Mercy doesn't talk like that. Mercy says with Paul, Lord, damn me, but please save your people. Mercy says with Moses, Lord, forgive, but if you won't, blot me out. Mercy says with the heart of Jesus Christ on the cross, forgive them. They know not what they do. Blot me out of the land of the living, but not my sheep. That is what mercy says. 
when the church is struck again with that mercy, we will talk of that mercy. We will share with others what God has done for our soul. And they will want to come because God will make them and hear them and help them hear the mercy. But it won't happen until then. They don't want to hear about. We know better about doctrines than they do. Do you think anyone in this land cares about sound doctrine? You know, it's less than 1% of 1%. And I'm including the church who cares about sound doctrine. Do you think any of them care? Are we worshiping God biblically? The question never occurs to people who have been raised on a steady diet of realize yourself, experience yourself, find your true self. You can't love others until you love yourself, including in the church we hear this. No one cares about any of that. But there is something every single man, woman, and child needs in this land. If you talk to them in a quiet moment, when you talk to them in a humble moment, and you share the gospel with them, you may find then a chord of agreement and God's hand behind strumming that chord, and that is, I need mercy because I know I'm a filthy sinner, estranged from God and I feel it. And you can point them to Jesus who was put under the ban of God's judgment so that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. And that is why Paul concludes in verse 5 with this little comment. Who was over all? God blessed forever. He has so many dynamics swirling around here. But the Christ who was over all? His mediatorial dominion, I have all authority, all power, given to me as a reward of my obedience, suffering, and death. Boy, this elevates the privilege of the Jews, doesn't it? Christ, the mediator, came from them. But it also compounds their treachery because they rejected him. But higher than all of this, he did come of them according to the flesh. But he is something more than according to the flesh. He is God-blessed forever now there's no antecedent in verse 5 to who except for Christ there's no way to read this as pointing back to the father and this is one verse you can use with the Jehovah Witnesses and with other cults and false gospel preachers Jesus Christ is God blessed forever but why is this here always ask when you read scripture why here why is God, what is God trying to say here? What is the connection? God's word is, like, is not like the reader's digest quotes for the day. God has a full, beautiful mind. So why is this here? Well, a couple of things. It wasn't Christ's fault that the Jews wound up being separated from his love because he's not only the Christ, the anointed Savior, but he is also God over all, and he never loses those whom he takes to himself. So the fault is not with him that the Jews rejected him. It lies with them. But second, being over all, God blessed forever. Don't think their unbelief can stop him from fulfilling his purposes. Now, we need to think about that with our own nation. I know if you have read anything about old revivals, 
you think things like that just can't happen anymore. <laughs> it's just impossible. It just can't happen. I mean, we have phones and we have computers. People are too distracted. Let me tell you something about revivals. Let me tell you something about God saving and working in a more than ordinary way to draw men to himself. Whether it be major events of his grace or just the progressive flow of the river coming from his throne. He is neither helped nor stymied by human technology. He doesn't need it. He can work with it if he wants to. He can work against it if it pleases him. He's not bound by it. So we need to hear this when we think about our own countrymen. There is no way the United States of America could could ever come to know Christ again, right? It's impossible. Really? There's no way God could reform the church here? She's too distracted. She loves Super Bowl parties. She doesn't want the word of God preached to her. Like Jeremiah said, she loves to have it that way. I mean, good night. God's people fight more themselves than they would try to fight among the unbelievers in the broader world. I mean, it can never happen that the church is going to be reformed, restored, purified here. Really? How do you know that in your local level, you were, you where you sit, you with your little job, you with your little car, with your little marriage, with your little family, how do you know? If you don't believe God can do all these things, then you can have no confidence that he can then keep you. How can you have any confidence that his love would hold you up? You see, that's the reason Paul brings them back to this at the end. Remember who this Christ is. He is the everlasting God. So we are secure in his love. Do we need strength? He has it. Are we worried about the future? Don't be. He holds us in his hands. Do we think God can't purify his church? Oh, Jesus is going to present himself a glorious church without spot and wrinkle or any other blemish. And that is much more true than anything in the news today. Why? Because he is the blessed God. So when we think about the details of our lives... Think about the things that concern you the most. Think about the things that make you think my life is forever messed up and I am never going to be able to overcome this. I'm going to have to launch out now and try to figure this all out and wade through it all in my own strength. Really? You're going to drown. You are going to drown. Because when God brings us through bad places and personal catastrophes and he makes it so we wake up and realize, oh, I've, I've done this and I've done that. Or other people have done this to me and there's no way my life can be recovered. What are we supposed to do? Are we, are we to launch out on our own and try and find a way to fix it in our own strength? No. We are to look to Christ who is the blessed God. He is all power, he is all rule, all authority. And do you know the reason this doesn't satisfy us more? Because we don't really know him. We know snippets about him. Oh, yeah, he walked on the water. Oh, yeah, he fed a bunch of people. 
Oh, yeah, he's healed a few people. But we don't know him. Do you know him? There's a vast difference between knowing things about Christ and knowing him, loving him, being held by him, bound to him. Beloved, we are not saved by ideas. We are saved by a living person, the Christ of God, the lover of our soul, who laid down his own life on the cross for us. So I want to encourage you. If you are floundering about in various areas of your life, like we are all in one area or another, there is one thing we need to hear over and over and over and over again. And that is, we can't do it. We can't fix it. We're not able to figure it out. We need the one Savior, Christ the Lord, the everlasting King, the everlasting God. So call on Him, and He will help you. Now the question is, do you want that help? Because sometimes we don't ask because... We really know what that will mean. Well, if I ask him for help, that means I've got to give up my girlfriend. No longer have relations. I don't want to give up my girlfriend. If I ask him, that means I'm going to have to give up the way I spend my time. And I know I shouldn't spend my time this way, but if I get really close to God, I know he's going to make me give it all up or I'm going to have to give that up, or I'm going to have to give this up. You you see, we're thinking about it purely from, it's about me. I'm the God of my life, and I don't want to give up anything. This little petty God, lowercase g, says, I've got to have it to be happy. There's only one thing you need to be happy, beloved, and that is to have a relationship, a fellowship with the true and living God. Because everything else is worthy to be forsaken, thrown away, put under the ban with the Canaanites to have him. Because if you don't have him, you really don't have anything else. I mean, you can have your nice little family and your nice little car and your nice little house, all your little friends. But you have nothing, nothing that satisfies, nothing That lasts nothing but sinking sand and a God delusion. So may God deliver us from these things. And make our heart to be bent to seek him because he truly loves us, my friends. What did Christ do? He bore our ban. He bore our judgment. The everlasting God clothed in our nature. That is what he did. He died for us. You might think, well, he's too high and too big to worry about me. Really? No, he's not. He has engraved your name on his hands. He knows each of us personally. He knows the circumstances and the times in which we live. And he knows exactly what we need. And he says, you trust me. I am your savior. There's no one else. You don't need anyone else. Whom have I in heaven besides you? There's no one on earth I desire more than you. 
my heart and my flesh cry for God because he has made us for himself. And if we don't rest in him, we will never rest. Jesus says to us today, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest from sin, rest from judgment, rest from bad circumstances in your life by helping you go through them. I will give you rest. I am the shalom of God. I am the peace and the righteousness and the cleansing. That's who I am. So come to me. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.